You like the Just Baseball show and want to make your own? Let me tell you about Anchor. It's free. There's a creation tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Now you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. The possibilities are endless for what you can create, whether it's music analysis, your own radio show, or something the world's never seen before. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and much more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Friday, June 4th. I'm bringing the positivity. I told you right before we recorded, I'm radiating positivity today. I will do so for the rest of my days. I made that executive decision about myself. I'm going to be all good. I'm going to roll with the punches and let's do it. So I am the new Jack McMullen. And once I like stub my toe on the side of a door, this is going to go right away. How you feeling, Peter Apple? I feel fantastic like every single episode, and it's so good when you come out with a bang with that voice. It just sounds good, and it makes the podcast pop even more, and we have a lot to talk about today. We are going over, because we've gotten a lot of flack on whether we think the Chicago Cubs are fact or fluke. I want to ask you a little bit about what you've seen in the minor leagues. We're talking about our top three trade targets, some pitchers, some hitters that we're taking a look at. We also have to mention the Ronald Acuna interview and the unfortunate Stroman do-rag nonsense that was coming out of there. We're also going to debate who we think is the NL Rookie of the Year, and then we'll end it with a little bit ending to our mock draft, the picks four, five, and six. This is going to be a sick episode. Sick. Yeah. That sounds great, man. Uh, let's start with those Cubs because you know me, like new positive Jack with uh, with the Chicago roots. I grew up in Lincoln Park, which is a northern neighborhood in Chicago. I was a 10-minute walk to Wrigley Field the first four years of my life, five years of my life. So I've got a photo that's hanging up in my in my bedroom at my parents' house. And it's me in a Sammy Sosa onesie, the pinstripe Cubs onesie, Mm -hmm. Sammy Sosa, Cubs Phillies in 1998. So take that, everybody. Uh, It feels really good to say that the Cubs are totally a fact, right, Pete? I agree. Totally a fact. And I'd like to touch upon the Cubs for a little bit because I do definitely believe that the Chicago Cubs are here to stay. And I think they're going to actually turn into buyers at the deadline because a big blow to the St. Louis Cardinals, their rival, Jack Flaherty, is now out with an oblique injury. This lineup is stacked with big offensive outbursts from guys like Chris Bryant, Javi Baez. As a team, they're ninth in batting average. They're sixth in on-base percentage. They're eighth in slugging. They're ninth in OPS. And the pitching is actually starting to deliver. They're 
ninth in team ERA as a whole. And as a team, they play really good defense, which is really important down the stretch. They're seventh in about a lot of those defensive metrics out of all teams in baseball. And we're going to break into our trade targets later because I really do think that they need to add a starter at the deadline. But what are you seeing with the Cubs? I think we both think they're a fact. I'm seeing Chris Bryant could have an OPS over 1,000 by the time that this episode airs. I'm seeing that that could make him one of five players in Major League Baseball at that mark right now. I think it's Winker and Castellanos, Vladdy Jr., Acuna, and it could be Chris Bryant. Um, After game one with San Francisco tonight slash last night when you're listening to this on Friday morning. But Chris Bryant has soared past any reasonable expectations set for him coming into this year. And I, I don't see him coming back down to earth. I think this might be his new earth in 2020. I agree. Javi Baez is starting to pick it up, but it's the role players, dude. Patrick Wisdom. Who the hell? Nico <laughs> Horner before he got hurt. How about Matt Duffy? And then the bullpen. You got guys like Tommy Nance showing up on Pitching Ninja. Keegan Thompson, Dan Winkler, Andrew Chafin, Ryan Tapera. They're all stepping up to get the ball to Kimbrell in the ninth, who's rocking a 0.78 ERA at the moment. David Ross is your National League Manager of the Year. I'm sorry, Gabe Kapler. It's David Ross. I mean, he he's really turning the Cubs into a contender. And I think what's important, too, is that the Brewers have fantastic pitching, right? The Brewers have great pitching. Corbin been- Burns, Brandon Woodruff, <laughs> Freddie Peralta. We know this. Right. That's we have been, been well documented on this spot. We have been singing the praises since the beginning of the season. But their hitting doesn't impress me much. Outside of Yelich, Keston Hira strikes out every single at bat. I know Lorenzo Kane. We do think Omar Novaez is underrated. But in general, that offense doesn't scare me. Cardinals. Cardinals are probably still the favorites to win the division. They're so hurt. Maybe. Maybe. They're so injured. I know. They're so hurt. You see their lineup sometimes, and it's, who is that? But then it's the Cardinals, so they might go one for three with a walk that day. Guys like Justin Williams and Austin D. I mean, there's just there's a lot of guys Sosa. in the lineup who, right. yeah, who I don't really believe in. So there's an opening there for the Cubs. And that's why I think we have to, before we get into the trade targets, I want you to touch upon the Cubs one more time, but we, there's some trade targets that the Cubs should definitely go after in the starting pitching market. Right. So what, what do you want me to touch on? What they need? Mm-hmm. Yes, I do. The answer is starting pitching, right? Like they need it. And I think you have two of the four set in the playoff rotation. If the regular season were to end today, Kyle Hendricks, obviously. And then honestly, I'd say Albert Elzelay is the only other for sure guy in that rotation. Dude is nasty. It is Uh, nasty. I think you can get away with Zach Davies as the four. Um, It it doesn't feel good to say you should be getting away with Zach Davies as the four. But you got to go get a two or, hey, maybe even a one because ones are available. I don't know if the Cubs have the ammo to go get a one. They can go get a two. So let's kind of hop into the trade targets right now. We're doing it overarching in Major League Baseball, and we've got our top three. But three under-the-radar pitchers that I think that the Cubs can go for that weren't in the top three. Now that Kevin Gosman and Johnny Cueto are not to be touched because you've got the Giants that are actually buyers now – I'm going to throw you three names that the Cubs could go after and they realistically have the assets to move. In Colorado, there's two. Herman Marquez and John Gray, right? And then Danny Duffy 
who I know you love. I think I do love Danny Duffy. Right. Like those are guys that can be legitimate twos for the Cubs come August, September, October, whenever they decide to make that move, Uh, they got to be there for playoff time. And I think they can, they can help with the final push and, and solidify that two or three spot, depending on how Alzali does. What do you think about Max Scherzer possibly being a target? Yeah, so I just to steal my thunder, man, Scherzer is the number one trade target for me in all of Major League Baseball. Everybody can use starting pitching, and Mad Max is, I mean, he's a top 10 pitcher in baseball per us a couple of weeks ago. He is, though. He totally is. He totally is. And he is as good statistically as, as some of his better years of his career. But the Cubs don't have the pieces to go get Scherzer. They just I don't. I, I don't think I don't think Scherzer's going to the Cubs. I think there are a couple teams that could go after him. And it's funny, we were all talking about Chris Bryant and Jock Peterson maybe being big bats being dealt at the deadline. But now that the Cubs are buyers, and it's more fun when the Cubs are buyers. It's yeah. more fun when the Cubs are really into it. But there's also there's also one more pitcher that I think that the the Cubs won't get him because he's in the division. But Sonny Gray might be available for the yeah. Reds. I wouldn't be surprised if Luis Castillo gets dealt too, but Luis Castillo's trade value, I mean, he's rocking like a seven-plus ERA, and he's just throwing everything down the middle. Go look at his pitch charts. It's everything yeah. right down the middle. I don't know what's going on with Luis Castillo. He's not commanding that pitch. The only pitch that he's throwing low in the zone is the changeup, and that's always worked for him. But everything else is, is right down Main Street. So – do you take him off the Reds' hands? But maybe a change of scenery could be very good for him because it's so hard to pitch in the Reds' ballpark. It just is. I mean, that's why Castellanos and, and Winker are hitting 350, and it why. seems like their whole lineup breaks, and then they go play away from home, and they can't hit. Right. Um, well, how about Willie Adamas at the Trap? Aram Layton sent me those numbers. Willie Adamas in his career at Tropicana Field is just a horrible hitter compared to <laughs> on the road, which is bizarre. Um yeah, I, Great American Ballpark is as hitter-friendly a ballpark as we have in Major League Baseball. And yeah. I don't I don't want to say that's entirely why Castellanos and Jesse Winker are doing what they're doing. Those it's not. two are no, they're they're incredibly good baseball players. But yeah, you know what? Luis Castillo is an interesting piece because he's not gonna cost much. You're right. No. Relatively speaking, if you were to just take the stuff and look at his best year, or even look as as recently as last year. You know, you could say, oh, this guy is totally worth Brennan Davis and a couple other options, but not, not right now. Yeah. No. So it, this is a chance to buy low. And if the stuff is right, Luis Castillo, he's got one of the best changeups in baseball and the fastball is electric. But Sonny Gray, yeah, I agree. I think the Reds might up the price on him for an interdivision foe. Uh, so I don't know if it's feasible for the Cubs, but, you know, I think some of those middle of the pack guys. Uh, a struggling Luis Castillo, Marquez, Gray, Duffy. Those are the options there for the Cubs. You just talked about Brennan Davis, and I want to hear your opinion on him because our our boy Arm Layton has been on him for a while comparing him to Matt Kemp. Yeah. Would you trade Brennan Davis for possibly a Max Scherzer or one of these big names? Because I, from what I'm hearing, he seems like he should just be untouchable. Yeah, so I just watched him for a week. And that's a really good question. And I think the answer there lies with how confident the Cubs are in Ian Happ. Because if they believe that Happ is the franchise center fielder, if, if they believe that 
he'll be there once his arbitration years are over, then yeah, go ahead and move Brennan Davis. But Ian Happ's really struggling right now. So if you don't have full confidence in Ian Happ being that guy, Brennan Davis, I can tell you right now, just got moved up to double A Tennessee. Uh, I'm, that's not what I'm telling you. That's been on Twitter for a while, but yeah. <laughs> um, what, I, what I'm telling you right now is, is he looked really, really solid in the week that I watched him. And, you know, he's, I guess he's listed at six, four, two ten. He's probably heavier than two ten. His arms look a lot bigger than that's they do. A big in, boy in photo. Yeah. He's a big boy that runs like a gazelle. He's got power to all fields and Oh, he can hit line drives to all fields. That's as important as power. Don't forget it. Don't ever forget it. What do you think about the Matt Kemp comparison to him? Yeah, it's it's interesting. You know, Matt Kemp was damn good, bro. Matt he Kemp, was forty-one. He was he was an inch close to a 40-40 season. Bro, Matt Kemp in his prime was one of the best players in baseball. He was and an we're MVP. getting Matt Kemp comparisons from Brennan Davis. He, I mean, he dated Rihanna. Like, how good do you have to be at baseball sick. to date Rihanna? Not kind of. That's full-blown That's really sick. sick. Yeah, that's really sick. Um, I don't know if Brennan Davis is dating Rihanna tier, but I, I, think, <laughs> I think that Davis, you know, certainly has that perennial all-star caliber. Whether he gets to that MVP threshold that Kemp got to, I've got no idea. But Brennan Davis has a, a totally reasonable ceiling of being a top-five center fielder in baseball. Let's talk top three trade targets on the offensive side because we went over all the pitchers. We we fangirled over Brendan Davis for a second, yeah. and I got three names for you, Jack McMullen. I got three big ones. They're probably the same names I do. Probably the same names. Number one, Jose Ramirez of the Cleveland Indians. Can you imagine the haul? He is making around $5 million a year, team-friendly contract, not a free agent until the end of next year. Jose Ramirez would be an absolute haul. And I was talking on the TikTok live today. What do you think about this? What if the Blue Jays, the Toronto Blue Jays, packaged Austin Martin and Nate Pearson for Jose Ramirez? I wonder if the Indians would listen to those two names. I don't know where Austin Martin's going to play. He's definitely going to hit. And Nate Pearson is throwing 100 plus miles an hour, but we haven't seen much from him. And he's a highly ranked prospect in the Blue Jays system. What do you think about that? We were, we were collaborating on that this morning. Do you think that could get it done? Maybe more on top of it. More needs to get it done. I, yeah. Not just Pearson. With how good Jose Ramirez looks right now and how team friendly the contract is, you need more than just Nate Pearson and uh, Austin Martin. The thing about Austin Martin is it's not that he doesn't fit anywhere. It's that he fits everywhere, which is really exciting, right? Like he can be the Hassan Kim type mold that, that the Padres are using Kim for when Tatis goes out, he can play short. When Machado's out, he can play third. When Cronenworth's out, he can play second, right? Like that's what Austin Martin is. And the bat's always going to be good. And you can throw him in the outfield. He's playing games in center field too. Yeah. So I don't know. That's tough because I don't know not only if the Indians would need a lot more than that. I also don't know if the Blue Jays would be willing to jump ship on those two guys because the Blue Jays are are early on their window, right? They look really good probably a year earlier than they should. And there's a reason they didn't hand George Springer the big bucks for two years 
they signed mm. him to a longer term deal because he's going to be that veteran still performing at a really high level when Vladdy, it feels really weird to say that this might not be Vladdy's ceiling, but when <laughs> Vladdy hits his ceiling and when Bichette and Biggio and Austin Martin, when they all hit their ceiling and Alejandro Kirk is a legitimate everyday catcher or close to everyday catcher for the Blue Jays. So we'll see. Pitching needs to come around. I don't know if you're willing to give up one of your prized pitching possessions for a let's win now bat. But imagine the one, two, three, four. Bo Bichette, George Springer, Jose Ramirez, and Vladdy. That there is no better one, two, three, four in baseball after that. Correct. I mean, you maybe look at the Dodgers, possibly the Padres, maybe the White Sox went healthy, Yankees, but after that, dude, that is you maybe now have you add a Jose Ramirez to the lineup, you now have the best offense in baseball. And can you piece together, maybe get a low end other starter, maybe go get John Gray, like you mentioned from the Rockies? Then your three is Ryu Manoa, and and then you still have Robbie Ray, you know, you still have Steven Matz. Yeah. So you can piece together a rotation, then go get another bullpen piece, maybe go over to the Pittsburgh Pirates and say, Richard. Hello, give me Richard Rodriguez, please. Yeah. And then that's 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 the best team in the East. Yeah. I'll there you go, you Blue this. Jays fans. That's how you do it. <laughs> I'll give you this rock for Richard Rodriguez. <laughs> Number two on the on our best hitters available on the trade target. Trade market, not the trade target. Trade market. Is Trevor Story gonna get traded? Because Possibly. Trevor Story is a shortstop out of Colorado who right now isn't that isn't doing amazing. He's in around 250, and he's dealing with a bit of an injury. He's going to be really expensive, and then you're going to have to re-sign him because he's a rental right now. I'm hearing he won't get traded, and that just because he's such a big name, he's going through all of these rumor mills. I don't think he's going to get traded, but he's got to be on the list because he's so goddamn good. Yeah, but it, there's going to need to be a king's ransom. King's for, ransom. Right. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be more than Jose Ramirez. I don't know. if No, Story no, I just know Jose Ramirez. Is, no, I don't think so. I think Jose Ooh. Ramirez is going to, I think Jose Ramirez might get a similar package to the Mookie Betts deal oh from Boston God. to the Dodgers. Oh God. Jose that Ramirez is sense. that dude. Jose Ramirez is just, you could say he's a better bat than Trevor Story. Yeah, I think so. But what story offers defensively, I don't know if Ramirez offers defensively. But then again, Trevor Story is a rental while Jose Ramirez has another year. Yeah. God, and man. way cheaper. He's God, so cheap. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> throw me your third. Okay, I'll throw you my third. My third is a guy who I think is 95% going to get traded, it seems like. Joey Gallo of the Texas Rangers. Big pop. Not the best average, but actually a pretty good defender in right field. I could see Joey Gallo going to a contender who needs a big lefty bat. I'm hearing Yankees might be involved in Joey Gallo, but that's just (laughs) not what they need. Like, you just don't need another big old lefty who strikes out 30% of the time and hits home runs. You just want to add, like, a right-handed version of – I mean, he's not a right-handed version or left-handed version of Stanton, but, I mean, we just don't need any more of those guys. So – I don't know where Joey Gallo goes, but I think he's definitely getting traded. The Yankees just so have a type. If if they're the ones that are rumored for Joey Gallo, I mean, that sucks, dude. I hate watching that lineup already. And they're super talented. I just hate watching them because it's just home run or strikeout. And like, that is what Joey Gallo is. You know what it is? It's like the Yankees are the dude at the bar that have been dating a bunch of blondes who have broken their heart 
And then they see another one and they're like, you know what? Let's just try it again. So I was actually thinking they were the guy at the bar that takes their shirt off when they get to a certain <laughs> level of drunk. <laughs> right? That seems like, what's the up? 27 world championships. What's up? Yeah, it's like, yeah, I've benched, you know, three or four billion times in my life. What's up? <laughs> I like that. That's how I view the Yankees. Yeah, Joey Gallo, I somebody's going to go and get him for a power bat. And the Rangers are bad, man. Like, the <sighs> Rangers just have to blow it up. So we'll see what happens there. Another one of those, uh, maybe a low-level trade target. Not even low-level because he's actually pitching pretty decently right now. I think Kyle Gibson of the Texas Rangers, yeah. that pitcher probably gets traded. And I think he he won't require much. And he's not going to provide a ton, but he is pitching pretty well this year. And it's definitely an arm that a lot of teams could use right now. The starting pitching market is crazy. It seems like every single team needs a starter. Yeah, Everybody needs a starter. Everybody needs pitching. You know, what What we've talked about with bats is it's very dependent on what that buyer needs. With mm-hmm. pitching, it's, oh, yeah, I need pitching. Let's take yeah. it, right? Like, there's no, there's no position dependency there with pitching. It's just, yes, I need another all-star caliber bullpen arm, please. Thank you. And moving on from the trade deadline targets, because that's a fun conversation, but there was another very fun conversation between a reporter and Ronald Acuna Jr. What did you see? I know you wanted to mention it because you thought it was the coolest thing in the world. It was awesome. Ronald Acuna was talking to the Braves telecast, Bally Sports Southeast, I do believe. There are a ton of Bally Sports, um, but I do believe it was Bally Sports Southeast. And he was doing an interview, uh, I think mid-game, And Acuna, for the first time ever, responded to questions on live television in English. So you had the sideline reporter asking the questions. It would go through a phone call to a translator. You would hear that translator reiterating what she said, but in Spanish, to Acuna through his headset. And Acuna would usually always respond in Spanish, and the translator would would bring it back. But Acuna decided to answer in English for the first time in his career. And I just thought that was so wholesome and so cool and good for Ronald because this is a guy that with his play style can so very easily, along with Tatis and Trout and Mookie, turn into one of the faces of the game. And he might already be one I think of he the already faces is. of the game. Right. And he's we, so we call young. him our second best player in baseball. And he's going to be here. He's going to be here for a long time. So Acuna is so obviously, as with every other Latin guy in minor league baseball and major league baseball, you know, I interact with guys in minor league ball all the time that are working on their English every day because it just makes their life that much easier when they get to the bigs, if they can speak the language of, of the country that they play in. And for Acuna to feel that comfortable going on TV and responding to questions in English that was just the coolest thing ever. I agree. And there was a quote that Acuna said that I just loved. He goes, it, it's so simple, but it's so, it's just how baseball should operate. When I go to the plate, I don't think about nothing. Just see the ball and hit the ball. It's exactly how your approach should be. Everyone's thinking about sitting on pitches and then like you're sitting on a slider, O2 count, and they just burn a 98 mile an hour fastball. He doesn't sit on anything. He just reacts. He goes one pitch at a time and that's how you should play baseball i was talking to dustin demeter who's obviously went to go see in hawaii you know raked he was actually first team all big west in the dh spot he was mentioning that 
the way the game is played at the tippity top, at the top levels in the major leagues, and some minor leaguers are obviously working on it too. It's one pitch at a time. You get freezed on a fastball, oh, oh, throw it out the window, we're right back in. Forget it, short memory. That is what all these guys have. And from that quote right there, when those guys come out and say, you know what, I'm not really thinking about anything. All I do is just go up there and rake. They're doing it one pitch at a time. Simplify the game. All it is is you throw it in the strike zone, and I'm going to hit it. If he doesn't, I'm going to take it. And it doesn't seem that easy. But with these young guys, with Vladdy, with Tatis, with Acuna, with Soto, with Trout, with any of these guys, you can tell. They throw it out the window, and they're just locked in. (laughs) And what's awesome is like, leave the leave the extensive research of pitch by pitch to people that want to do it these guys to the just, nerds <laughs> well, which is kind of us because we look at the us, data yeah. on a pitch by pitch but you know the fact of the matter is a lot of these guys just go up there and play the game that they've grown up playing and yeah. and freaking love to play so it's cool and um you know i think a lot of people can take a page out of ronald acuna's book and just uh you know, keep the game simple and and respect it for what it is. Um, it, it, there was a remark in the Arizona Diamondbacks telecast, um, Bob Brenly, who has uh, been a longtime analyst with the Cubs and now with the D-backs. Uh, he mentioned something about Marcus Stroman and um, something Stroman was wearing under his hat during his start. And he just made a snarky and pretty racist joke uh, about that. And I don't like we don't we don't need to spend really any time on this. Just know that that that's not going to fly, and we're just we couldn't be more out on that. And how have you just not learned? Like just learn, man. Open your ears. What are you talking about a do rag for? Just focus on what's going on in the game. You don't know. Even he came out and he was he said that it was a joke and it was it was badly worded. I actually can read you the quote right here because he said he tweeted out. During last night's game, I made a poor attempt at humor that was insensitive and wrong. I apologize to Marcus Stroman and have reached out directly to share those thoughts. I've had several conversations with the D-backs, and we agree that seeking sensitivity training is an important step so that I can continue to learn from my mistakes in order to be better in the future. I do think that he was trying to be funny. I understand that there was racial undertones and there's no doubt about that. Do the sensitivity training and never do it again. And we can stop talking about this conversation. That's my thoughts on it. Yeah. I, I just can't stand that type of stuff, man. I I just can't stand it. Uh, Let's get back to baseball. National league rookie of the year. That's going to be an exciting race. Speaking about the national league. Um, it's kind of a two horse race right now, right? It really much, is much like the AL when we were talking about Adolis and and your mean Mercedes. It's Trevor Rogers and Dylan Carlson right now. One is an easy lefty at ninety five. Another is a switch hitting beast in the outfield. One's on a contender. One is on a team that is kind of middle of the pack of a very bad division. I don't know if you had to pick one right now to to dish out a vote to. Who are you voting for for NL Rookie of the Year? So this is what I'm looking at. Trevor Rogers, 1.87 ERA of the Miami Marlins. He's striking out 30% of hitters right now. Holy shit. And he's walking only 8%. Like you said, 95 mile an hour fastball from this herky-jerky angle. Very similar to Chris Sale. Leads to a lot of swing and misses. But he's also got a wipeout slider and a really, really good changeup. Dylan Carlson on the St. Louis Cardinals. 1.86 
like you said, switch hitting, athletic outfielder, hitting 280 with a 370 on base, slugging in the mid 400s with a WRC plus of 123. WRC plus is kind of a fancy stat, but I do really like it because it's so easy. 100 is average. Every number above 100 is your, that percentage is better than average. Everything below is below average. So right now he has a 123 WRC plus. That's 23% better than average. Very easy. He has six home runs. He's striking out 23% of the time. Don't love that, but he is a rookie. And he's, but he has a great walk rate at 10%. And he's providing a ton of value for the Cardinals. As like we said earlier, he's battled multiple injuries. I picked Dylan Carlson as my rookie of the year in our earlier gambling episode. I just really like his talent. I think he does so much for the Cardinals. And when these guys go in the Cardinals, they just always are way better than people think. I do think it has to be Trevor Rogers at this point. I mean, he's one of the best pitchers in the National League. You could make an easy argument. I mean, outside of DeGrom, because DeGrom, right. DeGrom has a 0.71 ERA. What the hell is going on? And he has a 185 WRC+. plus. Do you know that? He's like the best hitter on the Mets. Yeah. So it has to be DeGrom for, AL, for NL Cy Young. But other than that, Trevor Rogers is in that top two, top three right now. So it has to be him for NL Rookie of the Year, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. Dylan Carlson has been really good. He has been one of the best rookies in baseball. Trevor Rogers has been one of the best pitchers in baseball. Mm-hmm. So when you elevate yourself from rookie to pitcher or rookie to hitter, that's when you know you're kind of a shoe-in for Rookie of the Year right now. And 100%. Carlson is is a wide second, right? Like there's going to be a huge gap between Carlson at two and anybody else at three when the voting comes out, if it came out today. And we've got a lot of baseball left. You know, maybe Rogers falls off a cliff and Carlson, you know, starts standing on his head. But as I don't of right see now, Rogers, I don't see Rogers falling off a cliff, dude. Either. His stuff is gross and he locates well. He's not walking anybody. And how about this dude's mechanics? Like, honestly, it looks like he could throw until he's 60. It's herky-jerky, but it's like controlled herky-jerky. It's the easiest 95 ever. It's awesome. God, he's fun to watch. You have to turn on. I know it's the Marlins, but turn on a Marlins game and watch Trevor Rogers pitch. And the Marlins, we'll give the Marlins some credit a little bit. Their first three, Sandy Alcantara, Pablo Lopez. I just watched Pablo Lopez's last start against the Blue Jays. Dude, he looks Good as hell. Yeah. 96 wipeout changeup. Yeah. Changeup looks like Devin Williams' changeup. It's moving like three feet. What's with these changeups dropping off the table like curveballs now? Are pitchers cheating still like more? How are you gripping a changeup like that? It's dropping off the table. I've got no idea, but but thank God. I mean, pitching ninja, yeah. like honestly, with with these grips, with the slowdown, and you can see these types of things, movement's only going to go up. It's not. I like feel like pitching ninja loves the pitchers cheating because he just gets to make these insane videos of like I was just watching pitching ninja on TikTok. I mean, I don't know if Shane Bieber's cheating. We have no idea. But what I was watching was a curveball that was moving twenty feet downwards, and yeah. he tunnels his fastball, he throws it in on lefties and then just throws that curveball right in the same spot and it's bouncing before the plate and hitters are just swinging at it with a sword. Yeah, God, those videos are fun to watch and the more pitchers cheat, the better the videos are. <laughs> yeah, honestly, and I think we're going to have to get Rob Freeman on the pot at some point. Um, he is, he's so fun and he just freaking loves pitching and he loves He's the baseball. best. He's, he's probably my favorite baseball media person that there is because you know what he does? He just focuses on baseball, no fluff, 
just tunneling. And I awesome. love it. He's awesome. All right, let's wrap up with the MLB draft. And we're kind of dropping Easter eggs. So we went one through three last time. Mm-hmm. Now we go four, five, and six. You and I have different one, two, and three. So rehash your one, two, three, and then give us four, five, and six. So my number one, I had Henry Davis. My number two, I had, well, Henry Davis going to the Pittsburgh Pirates. Yes. Um, I had Jordan Lawler going to the Texas Rangers. And I had Jack Leiter going to the Detroit Tigers. Yes. But... And, I, and the way I like to always start this for our next four picks is I like to go over mine because I don't know as much as you, Mr. McMullen, but I, I do my research and this is what I'm hearing. The Boston Red Sox with the number four overall pick, they're going with Kumar Rocker, the pitcher out of Vandy. 2.86 ERA, striking out 135 hitters in 91 innings, wipeout slider and a mid to upper 90s fastball. That fastball plays in the major leagues today. That slider plays in the major leagues today. My only thing with Kumar, he doesn't have an established third pitch. And we talked about this. Could he possibly move to the bullpen? But if you think he's moving to the bullpen, and I was talking to Dustin about this, if you move, if you think he moves to the bullpen, then he's not a first rounder. I don't think he's going to move to the bullpen but i could see it happening if he develops that third pitch he's going to be a fantastic pitcher for a very long time and the red sox could use some pitching because i don't know if i believe in nick pavetta and Eduardo rodriguez and maybe evaldi's been good but they need some pitching yeah the baltimore orioles it's a weird pick this is this is straight from keith law because i've heard they're going to go under slot after signing heston kirstead last year to two and a half million Harry Ford, a catcher out of North Cobb High School in Georgia. He is an athletic freak behind the plate. He runs a 6-7-60, and his recorded pop time is in the high 1.8s. That would put him at near real Muto type levels. It's crazy. And like I said, maybe they need to save a little bit of money. I don't know if he'll be as expensive. And But there is one name I really haven't mentioned yet who could realistically go number one. The Arizona Diamondbacks, with the sixth overall pick, I think are going to get Marcelo Mayer, the shortstop out of Eastlake High School in California. Mayer is a left-handed hitting, really athletic shortstop. I don't know if he's going to hit at the same level as Jordan Lawler, but I think he'll be a better defender. And like I said, Lawler probably more upside, but I think Marcelo Mayer is a better chance to be an above-average big leaguer so what are you thinking about that? I know you had Mayer possibly going number one, and I have him at six. Am I off? Yeah. No, I you're number one. I've got at six. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I've got Marcelo Mayer at one to Pittsburgh. I've got Jack Leiter at two to Detroit or, uh, to uh, Texas because I think Texas could just use arms. Like Jack Leiter, they could use everything. Years. They could use everything, but arms especially. Jordan Lawler, the other prep shortstop at the top two, I've got going three to Detroit. Four, I agree with you. Kumar Rocker makes perfect sense. Offense in Boston's really good. Yeah, they need pitching, right? And I think Kumar stays a starter, and he's going to be a really good starter. Baltimore, yeah, I understand the underslot thing. I think that they might go the prep shortstop route again, and guys that mm. are a little bit farther down the, down the ladder, Brady House and Khalil Watson are the two options right here for me. Brady House, a really big, really athletic guy. Khalil Watson, the quicker kind of five tool type player at short that might work for Baltimore and they could use a middle infielder. They've got pitchers coming up and they've got 
corner infielders and outfielders and catchers coming up, but they don't really have the middle infielder. Gunnar Henderson is playing really well in minor league baseball right now, but you could always move Henderson to second base and throw House or Watson over at short. And then number six, I've got Henry Davis to Arizona. Arizona kind of needs everything too, except a catcher. Carson Kelly is That's another what I'm really good catcher. But I think that Davis has some defensive versatility. I think he can play corner outfield spots. And I think that Carson Kelly could play first base or I corner agree. outfield spots, right? I think and you can that, never have enough catchers. You see the Yankees drafting a catcher every single second. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So I think that Davis and Kelly will be everyday bats for the Diamondbacks for years to come, and they can just kind of swap between catcher and other positions. Davis and Kelly are both malleable and athletic enough to play different positions. But Pete, this was a good episode, man. And I think we also have to preface it just before we end with the fact that these are not our top six prospects in our eyes. This is just what we're hearing where we think these guys will land. Right. Me personally, I don't know how you don't draft Jack Leiter number one. I don't care what what the pundits are saying. He is so good. His athleticism... I'm hearing he might be too short. Screw that. This dude is going to be fantastic. If I'm if I'm the Pirates, I don't know how you don't draft him number one, but you know, there you go. I do really like Henry Davis. I do really like Jordan Lawler. I like Mayer, and I like I like a lot of these guys. But I think I, I feel like Leiter is just such a clear cut number one, but people are kind of out on him, and I don't really get it. I don't I don't think people are out on him. I think that they're just not like out on him what yeah. they're hearing, right? I, I agree. Leiter is the best player in the draft. And when people say that a pitcher is too short, are you just gonna stick the middle finger to Pedro Martinez? I like I don't understand when people say, Oh, he's an undersized pitcher. What and Marcus Stroman's doing fine. No, but right. wasn't Greg Maddox six four? No. Right. Like I don't I don't understand where this comes from. Because results and heights never correlate. I mean, there is especially in no baseball. I get pitching. You want you want you know you coming down from that angle. You want that six five lefty right. and righty thrown with. But like, if you can pitch, you can pitch. If you're and good, he strikes you're good. out everybody. And when he's standing on the mound, just glaring at you, I don't know how anyone feels confident in the box against Jack Leiter. And there are some very but moving on from the minor leagues, moving on from college baseball, some very exciting series. We got some exciting series um, oh, yeah? coming up in on, over the weekend. Um, the Braves are going up against the Dodgers. That's going to be a great series. I'm very excited to see how the Dodgers fare against the Braves, and the Braves really need to heat up. Is yeah. there a series that you're looking at over the weekend outside of Dodgers Braves? Because that's a series I'm honing in on. Yeah, Cubs Giants in San yeah, Francisco. It's, be a good one. it's huge, and that is. Those are two teams that I was not expecting to be in the position that they're in right now that are in this position that they're in right now. So very cool. uh, It's going to be cool. And I don't think that either of those facts will turn to flukes or either of those flukes will turn to facts after this series. But it's going to be telling about where those two kind of stand. If one of them shows up, one of them doesn't. I don't know. I'm not going to slam the panic button, but, you know, you might somebody might start to show their true colors, whether that's good or bad. So that's what I got for you, man. You excited awesome. to have a good I'm weekend? Just, I'm excited to head the weekend. I'm in California. I will be back in New York City in a couple of days. Very excited to be back to the city, but I'm kind of sad to leave this weather in California. It's been very lovely. New York's nice too. Hey, man, Fort Wayne, Indiana is pleasant as hell. 
right now. I, I was filling out my it. yeah, I was filling out my book for tonight's game earlier today, and I decided to take my laptop and my scorebook out to an outfield picnic table and just sat in the sun and filled it out. Well, everybody, if you could go give us a follow on TikTok, on Instagram, at Just Baseball Fans. Also on Twitter, I'm at PeterApple23, spelled A-P-P-E-L, not like the fruit. And that's over there. That's Jack underscore McMullen 11. And we will see you soon. We're going to, Jack and Aram have an episode coming out Sunday. And then the TikTok mailbag will be starting on Thursdays where Arm and I will get together and answer all of your TikTok questions. So be feel free to leave it in our Q of A button. Have a great weekend, everybody. Yeah, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to do the you thing now to end the podcast. Thank you, everybody.